0: What's up, everybody, and welcome to another boardroom out-of-office podcast. My name is Rich Kleiman, and with me, as always, my partner in crime, Gianni Harrell. Gianni, what up?
1: What's up? What's up, Rich?
0: Number 44, funny funny note to our listeners is, you know how Gianni and I have been talking about 45 podcasts all year? Apparently, I didn't know the terms of the contract. It was more like 50. But the truth is, I don't think we're going to stop at 50. I mean, gee, unless you're trying to stop. I feel like we got a nice groove going. We have a nice conversation vibe. And we'll keep having these conversations and building out this brand out of office. How you feel about that?
1: I'm down. I'm down. I mean, cadence. Our advertisers double up. Keep the checks flowing.
0: Ooh, I love that side of you, bro. That's what I fucking like to hear. Sounds like me and you on Hot 97 when we do that, right? <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah, you know the truth is, is that uh, we're trying to grow this podcast. We're trying to get our listeners out there to tell their friends, to tell their friends, tell their friends. Because I think we have a funny, uh, I think we have a funny way of doing things here, and people seem to like it. But like anything, you got to put in the work. So let's keep chugging along. You know, I was trying to figure out what we were going to talk about today because the goal for today's pod was no guest, and that is not because we can't book a guest. Obviously, as everybody could see, we have booked a nice handful of guests over our first 43 weeks last week clarissa shields that was fun man that was fun i'm excited for her fight on june 10th i remember that photographic memory june 10th and her special comes out june 3rd but she was awesome um I had never met her or spoke to her. I was very impressed. She just like jumped right into it right before she was going out to train. But I realized like what we need to do more, G, is talk, man. This pod is coming out tomorrow. We're recording on a Tuesday. Pod comes out on a Wednesday. It's not live, everybody. Newsflash. It's not live. But tomorrow is the release also of very exciting news in the Boardroom 35 Ventures world. We have partnered with Sabrina Ionescu. Um, who's incredible. She was the first pick of the New York Liberty in 2020. Uh, Played basketball at Oregon. Star point guard. Has a Nike contract that's very rare for an athlete um, coming right out of college that you normally see in men's basketball in the signature shoe space. Uh, But beyond all that and her whole business portfolio, she's so impressive. She came by the office a few times. She's got... Incredible perspective and point of view, an old soul, but she's already off to an incredible start, and it's going to be exciting. So that that announcement is out now. Um, gee, you hung out with Sabrina a bit, right?
1: Yeah, she's dope. She came by the office and she was explaining to us how she negotiated her Nike deal, and obviously, she played with Oregon, and Oregon is home to Phil Knight's Nike, so they already had a relationship. And so she was explaining to us that since she already knew Phil Knight before signing to Nike, that she negotiated directly with Phil about her contract.
0: It was so gangster, bro. I remember we were all listening on the we met on the terrace at our office and we were all listening to her speak just a bit about like her first year, her last year, like right from college to what was gonna be her rookie year in the bubble. But that was obviously during the pandemic, screwed everything up. She got hurt, played two games. But now she's off to a great start. The team's off to a great start. Basketball in New York is popping. Basketball is popping, period. I mean, this was a washout of a weekend in New York City. So it was a lot of basketball consumed. I, I assume you did the same, my friend?
1: Yeah, and let's talk about it because I've been watching these Knicks games probably not as adamant or I'm nowhere near as diehard of a fan as you are. But tell me straight up, I'm sure it kills you that Trey Young is, like, single-handedly assassinating your Knicks. But also, isn't it so exciting to see
0: him do it? Yeah. I mean, listen, obviously, first of all, this is an interesting time in, in New York basketball because, yes, I have been a Nick fan my entire life. It made up, like, damn near every memory of my childhood it revolves around a Nick memory, a Nick time. But... Obviously, over the last nine years I've worked with KD, like, what shifted is that, like, my focus is on the team he's playing on and everything else I kind of block out. So I was like that with the Thunder, but I rooted for the Knicks because, and, and by the way, there was no, like, I was anything in question at that point. Then I rooted for the Thunder uh, Warriors. That shit was epic. And at the same time, like, I rooted for the Knicks, but there was nothing in question. Now I'm a Net fan, one through and through, because like people need to understand like that's what it's like when you got family on a team. Plus, I know half the team like that. You know, Nash is a good friend of mine. Royal Ivy is a good friend of mine. James is a good friend of mine. So, DeAndre. So, it's like I love that team now like it's my team. But right here are the Knicks, who I'm always going to hold this insane fandom for. And when... They get to the playoffs. There's no feeling like that. What happened in the Garden last week, man? I was at the Nick game last week for Game Two, and I've been to—I've been going to Nick games since I was seven, 1983. I remember those teams. I'm not even going to name those names because it's like some old man shit. If you name those names, the '90s Knicks. No one—I lived in that motherfucker. Live. So
1: if Kevin leaves the team, you're still going to be a Nets fan.
0: Nah, I mean, look, maybe, maybe, because maybe we'll be a part of the net organization for life. You know what I'm saying? I don't, I have no, Kevin's not going anywhere. So it's like, um, yeah, I'm going to be a net fan. But I, you know, let me tell you something, especially growing up in New York, like I'm a giant fan through and through, but I do not at all hate the Jets. I root for the Jets. I'm a Met fan through and through. But I do not hate the Yankees at all. I root for the Yankees. I'm a Ranger fan. You know, I don't even pay attention to like Islanders, Devils. No disrespect. And I used to be a diehard Nick fan who liked the Nets. I never fucking hated the Nets, especially when I worked at Rock Nation and Jay first got the team and they were in Jersey. Like that shit was popping when they were in the finals. But now it's like clearly the Nets come first because my man KD come first. That's what it is. So that team I'm riding with. But I fucking want the Knicks to win. And with the same emotion. However, if it ever came down to it, they played each other. Then it's about the Nets and KD. But, you know, people, no one else could understand that because no one else would be in this like unique situation. Because I ain't just like the Knicks growing up. Like, if you know me, you know what that was about. Um, and then I'll, and those memories, by the way, I'll throw on a Knicks game from back in the day during idle time on YouTube. You don't even know. I'll be watching like a playoff game. old nbc sports coverage just to watch it because that shit brings me back to a place like i'm like had no fucks (laughs) no (laughs) fucks just watching that game with no fucks um you ever been to a game at the garden bro i sure have you ever been to like an electric one though
1: nah the the damn my first nick game may have been when Allen iverson was on the pistons yeah, and I and I went to that.
0: Oh, that's like the weirdest memory ever to have. I
1: know. Well, I was just hyped because it was AI, but I was like, fuck it, we out."
0: Nah, I guess that's. I mean, if you're a fan, it doesn't matter. That's funny shit, though. You <laughs> pissed it.
1: I can't. I can't tell you one player was on the Knicks at the time.
0: <laughs> you was just locked in on on AI. Yeah, your favorite players are AI Nash. And Steph, right? Yeah, exactly. I mean, KD aside, obviously. See, that's the thing, right? Now, when someone asks you, you probably say everything like, "Well, obviously KD," but then because family, when it gets to that level, like, what you, what do you mean? Like, that's no, I weird.
1: tell him the truth. I'd be like, "It's KD," but yeah. before thirty five V, I was a Steph fan.
0: You understand why I'm so close? Like, not that I don't love Justin Tuck, right? Like, I fuck. That's like my real friend. But, like, the reason why I've gotten close to Danny Jones, I just got connected with Coach Judge because, like, when you love a team, like, you want to know these motherfuckers. Can you put that together and you root that shit like it's your people? And they're good people. That shit is, you know, whatever, man. It ain't that serious, but it's shit I love to do. (laughs) What would you do this past weekend besides watch Hoop? Nothing, right?
1: Nothing. It was rainy in New York City. Relax. Got some errands done. Enjoyed the vibe of the quiet New York City raininess.
0: What's an errand when you're 26?
1: Go and get your sneakers clean.
0: Yo, dude. Ding, 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 ding. If I could have fucking even, like, guessed... What a 26 year old errand could be for someone like you, a fly motherfucker. It would be get my sneakers cleaned. And that shit (laughs) hit. (laughs)
1: Straight straight up. I got to be fresh for the month.
0: That shit hit, bro. Um, I understand. Yo, those like weekends in your 20s when like the stress was like whether you were ordering in in the morning or going out to brunch or should we order in then go get brunch? You're not even going to be hungry. Like, no, fuck it. We'll order you twice. Like, Watch movies, go to sleep, and then like you want to go out tonight? Nah, yeah, fuck it, get hot. You know that's your twenties.
1: What's an errand like for you,
0: bro? Errands—it's a string of them now on a weekend. I mean, you're not going to front during the week. Like, I—I I mean, no, I check, bro. You know me because my apartment is like spotless. So, like, I'm not saying that I am cleaning my apartment every day, but I'm straightening shit at all times. So, I'm like always locked in at the house. A. Um, but I'm not doing errands like that during the week. But on the weekend, it's like driving your kids places, picking something up. Um, but sure, you got i i got a good i got a good foundation at home, so my errands are are you know things I can't talk about. <laughs> oh my god, those are the errands. Oh, my God. You know what, though? I was was realizing over the weekend because um, I'm always looking at the commercials during the games. or I have historically looked at the commercials during the games. Right. So I'm looking at like I was watching the Knicks Hawks and we'll get back to that in a second. But I was watching the commercials and beyond the fact that I can't pay attention like during a break. Right. I'm either flipping the channel or I'm on my phone. And I'm not really locked into what the commercial is. I realize that commercials now, or maybe they've always been, but it seems like now more than ever is always an insurance company, right? It's like always a bank or an insurance company. Chris Paul dominates the coverage with State Farm. Like what it like, Whether I haven't liked every single spot, but as a campaign to have this like staying power. I mean, they really pushing this thing, and like I saw Cliff Paul come back the other day, but it's 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 like it is what it is now. And our girl Sabrina was in one, um, but whatever. That's not the point. The point was is like there's so much content on now. So someone asked me what shows I watch, and I realized I have no shows. I don't watch shit. I watch sports, I fall asleep during things, I watch random documentaries, but I haven't caught like a vibe with five, six shows. I've given up. I feel like my 40s when I'm grinding like this and I'm locked in and I'm fucking thinking work, I'm on the gram, I'm with my kids, watching whatever they wanna watch, or I'm watching sports, like there's no shows. But in your 20s, you got shows, right? You're watching a shit ton of shows. But are you deciphering? Like, how do you, in this vast world of content and with basketball on and with the phone, like, is there not too much stuff on, bro? Like, am I the only one that finds every single streaming service daunting you can't find your way?
1: Yeah, I don't think it's a age thing. I think, to your point, that there's just so much saturation between these streaming wars that it's hard for the general pop to lock in on one specific thing. For example, when Breaking Bad hit, the whole world stopped. When Game of Thrones hit, the whole world stopped. When The Last Dance hit, the whole world stopped. So there hasn't been that separation amongst these shows yet.
0: But The Last Dance, the whole world was actually stopped. And that shit was like the biggest thing of all time. Did Breaking, I mean, that's the thing. It's like, where am I missing this? Because I don't even know where Breaking Bad And I mean, Game of Thrones. I felt it, even though I didn't watch it. I never seen one episode. I never seen one episode of Breaking Bad. Like, I don't know what it is. My mind is on like a million things at all times. That for some reason I've had a hard time locking in on like series like that. Because when I wind down or when I check out, then I just kind of pass out. But sports, docs, things with my kids. Of course, I'm focused and locked in. But how do you even like? know that a show is coming like this now, right? Like when you go to a streaming service like Netflix, Amazon, all of these, I'll go and be like, oh shit, I didn't know this guy was in his own feature film or just came out, Michael B. Jordan's in a brand new film. Back in the day, you'd be like, bus stop, billboard, commercial, and you just knew. You just, like, I don't even know how I know. Maybe there's all an algorithm to bring it to your attention, right? You know there is. But I guess at this point, people find their own shows, there's so many shows, however you stumble into it. Which is why I've been so focused from the jump with Boardroom on knowing that, while the content is so important, it's the brand that really like, resonates with people. That's the thing, it's like, I've been saying this forever, I know that streaming services will begin these joint venture deals that allow people to believe a brand. So it's like, you fall in love with, let's just say Imagine Entertainment. Right. You know, Imagine has created Academy Award winning films, Emmy Award winning TV shows. So it's like if I click on Imagine icon on an Apple icon like Def Jam, Universal Records, and I click on that icon and all I see are those films like that's what it used to be like comfort, finding what you know, like when you were younger, you scroll through the cable guide and be like, oh, shit, few good men is on. Let me just stop on a few good men, even though like a game is on because, like, that's the comfort feeling. Um, You know what I mean? Did you have that when you were growing up?
1: Yeah, but to your point, like, of course, branding is important, but I think content can drive a brand. For example, nobody was watching – I'm going to use two examples, Breaking Bad and Power. Nobody was really glued to stars, but Power kind of blew up stars. Then Breaking Bad. Breaking Bad was on AMC. Nobody would just gravitate to AMC to see what's on, but Breaking Bad was there, so that's where – that blow up the networks.
0: You're 100% right, bro. So to your that point is incredible because I think in linear and broadcast TV, that happens a lot because like what was stars doing for a brand? There was no brand outside of the content. So power defined stars in my eyes, right? I'm sure to you the same. In the digital media space, though, I have a hard time figuring out what content individually stands out, right? Like every day think about when you when you're consuming content scrolling through with your finger so quickly and you get like a second of a clip to to connect with you how the how the fuck are you gonna know if you're gonna lock in on that like how did hot ones become that way because they had enough in a 30 second clip to be like yo is that Shaq crying from eating hot one hot wings I'm clicking on that. And that should hit. But Complex was already a big brand. So I almost look at that as like the digital media version of HBO having like a hit at that point. You know, you put out eight, You put out 800 shows, like you have the media and the marketing and the branding. You're going to have shows that work. I think what a brand does, though, is allow you the ability to like have quality over quantity, to have a theme throughout what you're doing stand behind that brand and it's about the brand and the content you're going to find more compelling at times, less compelling at times, different verticals of that content. You may gravitate towards more than others, but in the form of a linear broadcast network. Yeah. Like if I'm uh, if I'm a, a, a new streaming service, like, you know, you need a hit show straight up. You're not out there trying to build a brand and put out newsletters, star newsletter and star conference. Like different uh different model. So you're you're 100% correct. Um so playoffs right now, let me tell you what I'm thinking. Uh, obviously, uh Nets will have closed the series last night in Barclays, I'm pretty confident saying that. Yeah,
1: let me ask you. Who do you think will give the Nets a tougher time? The Sixers or Milwaukee? Well,
0: I mean Milwaukee, I think Milwaukee for sure, but um that's also now a bit loaded as, as, you know, if Joel got hurt last night. But like, I really have taken on the mentality. Oh, he did? Yeah. What well, happened? I don't know. I didn't actually read how serious it was or not. But he didn't play in the second half. So Washington won. It's 3 1 now going back to Philly. They'll, I mean, listen, Philly will probably play. Well, I'm going to say it Philly may end up playing the Knicks. Maybe the Knicks should come back and win in seven. And it'll be a crazy crowd at the Garden, go to Atlanta, steal it. And they come back to the garden. crowd will be, oh, my God, that'll be next level. So let's say the Knicks will play. Um, I'm confident, so I'm going to say it, but I'm also like, you know, could not happen. But Knicks, Philly, Nets, Hawks. I mean, Nets, Bucks. But listen, I, I take on the mentality that, like, I've learned from watching Kevin. It's like I, I just locked in on the Nets right now because I don't know, man. I'm not really worried about any team. To be quite honest, like <laughs> like I really am not I don't even Me think
1: Me either. The way I see it, any other team has scored like a hundred thirty points to keep up with us.
0: Yeah, and 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 you're talking about like it's not you know, you're talking about three players that are elite elite IQ'd athletes. You're talking about Kevin, who I think is like as good a two way player as there an elite, doesn't get enough credit for it. I mean, he can he can legitimately impact the game defensively as well as a handful of others in the league and the three of them, you know, can score at will James is such control of the, of the court. And then you're talking about a great team. Hopefully Jeff Green's back healthy, great coach team. Joe is a sniper. People are playing their roles. So it's like, you know, I think the nets are really built to, to win, but I'm also biased. So fuck it. And in the West, like I think the Clippers will clearly come back and win this series, but you know, that's a weird series. I, I'm worried. I think I think the Clippers may win that 4-2. Um, Lakers-Phoenix tonight. I'm not going to predict that one because I have no idea. But I know AD's out for like 10 days. I don't know what that means. Utah-Memphis. Utah, Utah kind of got that shit back under control. They're looking good. So they'll win that series. And then Portland-Denver, is that's a close series. I mean, that's like a series that for some reason is not getting enough uh, – enough buzz as they say it's game five tonight nine o'clock tonight's a good game or last night last night so we'll see what happened in that one um you know what i realized i ran into someone in the park Gianni, the other day and you may not you didn't know me back then but i I used to do bill simmons with kevin a lot really cool opportunity that i was given um by kevin was that like kevin was doing these series of pods with bill simmons and i sat in on all of them. And we did like five by the fifth one though. Was stupid. I really, I'm still mad at myself for how I acted on that fifth one because we were partying that night a little bit, having a little, it was a night off. I don't know, I had a glass of wine or whatever, you know, Jay not gonna front. Um, <laughs> and I was like snacking on the pod and I was stupid. It was stupid because in hindsight, I didn't realize the platform, you know, like it, I, I, it was just ignorant because there was like a million people listening to fucking Bill Simmons pod And listening to Kevin Durant and like, I could have probably put a little different twist on that last one. But fuck it. I've gotten a lot of people that have said to me, though, that they really enjoyed it. And one time I referenced this basketball player named Jesse Rosenfeld. He played at Dalton. It's a private school in New York City. You know, you know, private school in New York City. And to me, I think he was like four years older than me. He was like, he was a killer, man. He was was honestly like a stretch four really ahead of his time because like uh he could shoot it tall, good passer, smart, high IQ and then he went to play in college somewhere. I'm really getting old. I think Princeton actually. I don't know if he played though. Cuz Princeton used to be like a dominant Ivy League, but I think he played. He played. He was on the court. But the thing is, I mentioned this guy and I've had like five or six people talk to me about that mention cuz I think he's a little bit of like a folk hero maybe in new york city private school allure um so i think Gianni, what we should do is like every eight episodes let's just talk about jesse rosenfeld what do you think <laughs> i love it um and let me see if i have anybody run into me over under on the amount of people that run into me this weekend and mention jesse rosenfeld what do you think? what do you say
1: three no wow
0: all right that's a lot but i was thinking maybe one as the over under but three is cool <laughs> Um, I just saw the New Yorker cover with Rich Paul. That shit was fire. Um, he's incredible, man. He's really built an incredible business. He's a special dude. Obviously, um, like we're, we're drawn to people like that. That's what this pod's been about. That's what um, the whole boardroom brand's been about. That's what my whole life's been about. There's a lot of times I read shit that he says. And it feels like I feel the same way, you know. And, and everyone's lives are obviously different, but there were some parallels in his thought process as a kid, which is ironic because, you know, we're both named Rich and we're both friends and we both work with global NBA superstars. But he's built an insane business, uh, full service sports and entertainment agency. Company was, uh, stake in his company was bought by UTA. And he's expanded into multiple sports, but he's just—he's graceful, bro. And he's got a—he's got a vision, and he's got—he's um, got a confidence that is necessary because nothing can truly get accomplished as a leader if you don't have a confident exterior and interior. Meaning, like, not only do you have to act confident, you got to really be confident. And when you really are confident people could see it on the outside. And that's like probably the thing I point to the most about when I started to see a real uh, arc in my career, and I think people that know me well feel the same way, is that like at some points you just can't give a fuck, and not in like a in a mean way, and not in a fuck you way, but in like, look, if I want this, I keep waiting on someone else to do it for me, Um. I know that I'm the only reason this is gonna get done. And that means I gotta delegate sometimes, that means I gotta take over sometimes, that means I have to sell sometimes, and that means that you have to be brewing with confidence. And Rich Paul is is that way, and he's relatable, he's smart, he's prepared. And uh, I'm very impressed by how they move. It's obviously inspiring. Um, a lot of times like I'll post something on social media or Instagram, or someone will about our business, and like every comment will be like, "Y'all just copying them." <laughs> I'll be like, or like, "You're <laughs> just a poor man's rich Paul," and it's like, well, first of all, like our businesses are no relation to one another. A, B, I've known these guys for so long, like before I was even in basketball or sports or whatever. I'm, I'm not even in basketball like that. No, I am, I am, but you know what I mean. Um, yeah,
1: and to your point, like that self belief. Is everything like that translates in your whole existence? Like when, when you are just fully aware of your core beliefs or what you what you feel is dope, what you feel is hot. You can't and you don't. You're not just zoned in. You're not. You have tunnel vision. You're not listening to anybody else. And then you'll find the people on that path that think the same way as you. And you're like, oh, I'm not crazy. Yeah. I actually knew what's up the entire time.
0: Straight up, or even better. I actually realized I knew what's up and they didn't. Right. You know what I'm saying? And then all of a sudden, but it's evolution. First you you you, you know, you fit in the room. And I think that was the hardest evolution for me. Is I got myself in the room, but then being able to instill my will in the room, that's where it's a battle cuz that's where the real motherfuckers are. Like that's why you wanted to get in the room. So if it was easy when you got in the room, then it would be like, damn. You must be, you have a gift at that point. You, you're sitting on something, right? Like you have a, a you're a master of a craft, but if you just a hustler, if you just like a, but you want to be a mover and shaker, you want to be enterprise or whatever the fucking word we'll use. Like that's where the battle is, you know? And the thing is, is like, just to finish what I was saying about Rich Paul and Mav is like, obviously like, look at all businesses inspired by someone else. And someone builds a version that like was originated in like, In admiration for something you know what i'm saying like that's just the way it is and then and then regardless like you know what they've done for the game of basketball lebron and and mav and rich and randy is a different blueprint an iconic one in the same way that mj left this blueprint of like I want to be, I want to be like Mike, like I want the Gatorade ad. I want the Nike ad. I want the uh, Haynes ad. Now that shit is like, I want to build a business. I want to build a school. I want to build a, a media company. I want to invest in technology. And that's fire, right? And I, de- I definitely think Kevin is, you know, blazed trails. But LeBron set the blueprint in the league. And a lot of it, as we've spoken about, has come from, Rock Nation and, and Jay-Z and Rockefeller and hip hop and and um, Bad Boy and, and No Limit and So So Def, maybe not, I don't know, So So deaf So So deaf too, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just dropping joint venture deals in hip hop now. But that blueprint, which is like, y- you have to be able to do that and when people say like, yeah, I'll do that shit, like when I have the money or like, yo, if they pay me this, I'll do it. But that's not the same thing, because the the real like that real feeling of confidence is when, you know, shit, I don't have the money. I don't have the ability to pay my bill if I have to like throw like throw the the car like my dice out or whatever, whatever analogy we're going to use. But you got to do it sometimes. And that's a confidence thing that doesn't come with just being like, yeah, of course, bro, if I had money in the bank, I'd do it. Or like, yeah, bro, if I was fucking Kevin Durant's manager, I'd be confident, too. Like, nah, bro, stop.
1: Yeah, and then to your point, there's confidence and there's blind confidence, okay? It's okay to be blind confident. It's okay to feel that you can do everything. But don't be so confident that you can't take advice and that you get lost in the sauce.
0: Bro, I And mean, you know what? Not You're spot on today. And not only is blind confidence... I actually don't even know if it's all right sometimes because ultimately you're going to end up, it's okay if you have a good people around you, right? Because you can be blindly confident about your business because you know, you'll always hear an entrepreneur say that like, obviously every great idea was shit on in the beginning. But blind confidence when you fly in solo, like when I'm watching that WeWork doc, and I'm like, who the fuck did not grab this dude up? Like, I don't understand. Like, what are you doing? What are you doing? You're screwing up a genius idea. You built an incredible ass brand, and you really think you're God? Like, shut up! Stop fucking it up. But you know what? He couldn't because he had, a, you know, a wife that was on that same shit. I'm listening to, I'm watching the doc, and like, I'm his wife is talking to her friend in an interview. I think Gwyneth Paltrow, who I have so much respect for, who I think is so intelligent, truly. And I'm, like, she's speaking, the woman, Rebecca is her name. I'm just, like, shitting on these people. It's horrible. But, um, and, and it's, like, they, they look like they're in this different level of, like, space that no one else could be in. And, like, that was really what, like, they turned WeWork into when it was just really an incredible idea. Like, they should have ran the business but the blind confidence turned into delusion and you can have it if people will check you but if no one's going to check you or you're not open to be checked like by the way bro and i know you know this if i ever sound that way check the shit out of me bro because i'm never going to be you're never going to sound
1: yeah but what people also need to realize about themselves is you have to have different types of people around you whether regardless if they're think like you or whatever they have to come from a different place so you have that
0: perspective
1: and you yep. have that you have mad different types of people around you
0: yeah no that's a good point and it's also experience man like shit like you know what i wish i knew at 20 that like i just to like the only thing i wish i knew because i'm cool with the whole ride was like yo just so you know you're not gonna know everything now stop even trying because like you just can't you're not gonna you have to let some things happen through experience i had lunch with this guy um breakfast yesterday this guy my new friend reed from apollo group i don't even know if i'm allowed to say that i mean why would i not be allowed to say it i mean what is what's wrong with me and um he he's just dominated life like he went to harvard he did incredible there i think he was at goldman sachs then he was at the apollo group and he's doing incredibly well there and i started talking about my career and he was like well my shit isn't as you know amazing as i'm like bro yours is incredible like the ability to go through Harvard and do well, the ability to get into Harvard, the ability to get into that kind of company and grow at that company. For some reason, young people are looking at that as not the same like success as some of these entrepreneurs, if trust me, are not doing it to the level that people like that are doing it, and that there's a lot of entrepreneurship within a corporation. We we realize that when we talk to David Solomon, like we realize that from a lot of our guests. But I say all that to say that when you're young and you're listening to this, and I do think we have a young audience. And the one thing that I think I can relate to is that like curious eagerness, that ambition, that lack of patience, because you just want to go. You think you can do everything. You think you really do know everything. And what you know is right to like relative to where you're at in your life. But experience, man, that's like you just, I could pull from so much now that when something wild happens, I'm like, nah, that ain't wild. Like, that ain't that crazy. Like, we'll get through that <laughs> shit. I felt, because I've, I've had fails. Like, I've had misses, bro. And I'm not even like on mo preaching shit. Like, like I, I'm i not saying anything was too high or too low. I'm just saying like a regular human, like the ride is bumpy in life and in and in work.
1: I want to talk about something sensitive.
0: Yeah, let's do it.
1: What level do you think somebody has mental health issues, or somebody should have had a little bit more tough love?
0: Wow. Well, let's talk about it. Um, so my my thing is this, right? In full transparency, because I'm an open book. When I I'm 44 years old, right? So when I was 18 years old, I went to BU to Boston University for six months. No, what am I talking about? I went there for a year. And in my second year of college, I had to go to BC night school. It was some bullshit. I don't even know what it was, to be honest with you. It was, it was weird. I think I honestly had the professor bet with me because I was a bookie. Um, I'm not sure if that actually was a professor or a student. I, I can't remember. That's not the point. Um, and I, I suffered the most severe panic attacks at least once a week for two years when I was in college. And everyone that went to college with me saw me as this like really functional, operating, like basically dropout who was fun to just held a party with. Um, I had a girlfriend in college, I hung out. Everybody, you know me, bro. Like I'm a social-ass motherfucker. I was a bookie. But I really think people were confused because like I went to the hospital like five times in two years, bro. I had a formal one night when I was in a suit and tie decked out and every time it was nothing but a panic attack. One time I went, they thought I was on crack because they couldn't imagine that I was like bugging out like that. I went to a doctor on my own in college, some like psychopharmacologist, some wild shit because people didn't talk about this stuff then. And I was never afraid to own it like you know that about me. I just was like, yo, you know, I don't give a fuck. I'll tell you exactly what happened to me. And they were prescribing me medicine. It was a very messy time in my life, right? That was 26 years ago. And I suffered with it, you know, off and on for times in my life. But suffering with it was like less and less and less. But where I'd have panic attacks, breathing attacks, like shit like that. I've never been depressed. I'm a happy optimistic dude and I've gone through real shit so there's a difference between being depressed and being anxious there's a difference between having like anxiety disorder and depression and I'm going to get to my answer and I really got in this bro like when people were building careers I was really not but I was finding myself and I was learning and I was like suffering and I was like starting businesses and I did start getting my shit together like to some degree but I really did struggle with this. And I not one time would refer to myself as having a mental health issue, right, is why I say that. I think that there are some people that maybe would say I did because I was medicated, straight up. Like, I, I could not operate. I was going through a lot of trauma in my life, and I could not operate. I had these severe panic attacks. But I wanted to fight through. So i travel, go places, parties, um, jobs and I would have these fucking crazy things and I would like like it was nuts people that knew me growing up no like people that really hung with me knew like come to my house I'd fucking smoke as a kid have a panic attack right I never once considered myself having a mental health issue right because while it may have been diagnosed as something anxiety disorder etc at that point in my life the conversation wasn't very prevalent Fast forward to now, there are so many levels from what I know from my experience, and I have family with issues, friends, I'm sure everyone does, right? This isn't like some new strain of a disease, like this shit is forever. Some of these medicines that people treat themselves with have been around forever, and some people don't get treated with medicines, right? Very New York thing to just talk about the medicines, but it's a real thing, psychology, all of this, long time. However, the degrees of it vary. You could be schizophrenic, bipolar, depressed, like really depressed, and all the other things on the scale of mental health. And some of them are truly diagnosed, and some people, I think, are diagnosing themselves, and some people are using the general feelings of stress and being overwhelmed, and maybe that's mental health for some people. But I do think we're on a slippery slope because everybody's feelings are real. Gee, and I'm not taking away from anybody. Everybody that feels shit, I'm empathetic for. I'm as empathetic as there is for everybody and anybody. However, it's a slippery slope to be able to use the word every time you're going through something because being able to say you have a physical ailment, when people say that the expectation is that like, there's a real thing, right? Like you're not asking questions, but having the sniffles or having a sprained ankle, or I jam my finger is not the same as I have a compound fracture in my leg or, you know, God forbid something else, physical ailment. So I'm just saying that there's a slippery slope now because like you can't question anybody that says it obviously, nor should anyone question in any one period. It's nobody's business. However, slippery slope. And I think that there has to be so much education because of the amount of people with platforms that are just saying mental health. There has to be so much education now for young people to be able to decipher the difference between what they're feeling and what's real and what's not and what they should be expecting and what's mental health.
1: So... To use you, your example, as the example, because I just want to stick to you because I, as you said, feelings are real and I'm not here to offend anybody. However, do you think your anxiety attacks that you had in your younger years throughout college was because of a physical chemical imbalance or an inability or unawareness to deal with stressful situations?
0: Well... I think a hybrid, right? Because I think that like there is a chemical disposition that comes, I believe that strongly. I've read science high level on, you know, medicines that they've been giving people forever, Prozac, all these different medicines. And there is a chemical component to it 1000%. I think there is a environmental and a nature nurture whatever all that is, and I believe that, you know, some of it is inflicted at times by that but I also believe that however it happens which is what is real and this is the scary part and this is where young people have to be careful because when you say something like that G and I know what you mean because I'm with you a lot of the time but you don't also and this is why I say it's such a slippery slope because who are any of us to say because you could have somebody that's let's just say Gianni not having a sturdy like foundation at home not having a real disciplinarian with them not having any self discipline not being tough right just not being mentally tough and that may all be true but they also like it is what it is if they're suffering and struggling and it, it and some of it becomes chemical and is crippling and cannot be um it cannot be spoken through right like i have You know, my my mom who listens to every one of my pods, she might be mad at me for saying this shit. But, you know, this is the good thing about um, being able to um, to be able to talk freely like we can on this conversation is, you know, I think that there's times in my life where I used to say to my own mother, like, come on, like, come on, go like, look outside. The sun is shining like things are good. And like she couldn't. And looking back on it, like, I really should have paid more attention than that. So think about that, like, for whatever reason. And and I think she probably was getting help. But, like, that's real. So I just think that, like, you know, to get back to a more mainstream combo, even though I do like you tossing it to me, is that athletes, for instance, have to deal with things that are uncommon to most. They also get rewards that others don't at times, but it's not always as pretty as it seems, bro. I'm very close to it. There's real shit, real emotions, real human stuff, and uh, an environment that not everybody can deal with and that not everybody signed up for when they wanted to be a professional athlete. And the media has become something that I think is both a culprit For a lot of this, as well as a scapegoat for a lot of this, because I think that the media historically has been a part of sports for a number of reasons. And one of them was to get the sport out there, tell the stories. And when you hear sports that don't get a lot of coverage and you hear athletes that don't get a lot of coverage or they leave to play in big markets, what does big market constitute media like? People want the media, and the media then pays these leagues a truck ton of money, and then the leagues are able to give salary caps, et cetera, to teams to play, play pay players a lot of money, pay individual athletes, but the media is the culprit when they've basically taken advantage of the new technologies, the platform. And the kind of entry point into being a journalist is not what I always assumed it should be as a kid, which is like people that really wrote about basketball. Like I used to read journalists as a kid, even Peter Vesey, who I really liked in New York City, like trash talking NBA guy, but he really loved and wrote about sports. It was passion and emotion. So it's like you could see it with KD like in the arc in his career. He's gone through real shit in his life, and he's gone through moments with the press, et cetera, but, like, you know, he does it. He does it because, like you said, he ain't going to let that be the scapegoat for his own happiness, the media, and you can control your narrative a bit. But the truth is is that, like, if you're dealing with something in your life and you're looking at the landscape of the things in your life, the last thing in the world you want to do if you're going through some shit Right? Like Naomi Osaka. If She's going through some shit in her life. The last thing in the world she wants to do is talk to media, especially media in a foreign country, no disrespect. And whether she handled it right, wrong, et cetera, it's like it's going to be the last thing you want to do. However, knowing it's part of it, accepting that it's part of it, is like I'd be very interested to figure out a solution straight up. Because it should not ever have gotten to the point where she had to not do what she loves doing for the next two weeks, and, and hopefully winning another Grand Slam. So that's you know, if and, and and the mental health component of all that, if you really if you're struggling with that, the media A is just not going to know, like you know what I'm saying, and B. There just has to be a flexibility, period. There just has to be a flexibility because the, we all want the same thing. But some journalists have to let go of the headline, yo. They got to let go of the headline. They got to do better. They got to look in themselves, be like, yo, hold up. You know what? I'm not trying to write this shit. I'm going to write about the intricacies of the game. Like, I don't want to write about the dumbass shit I just read about on Twitter. You don't have to. I've heard journalists literally say, you know, I have to. It's like, no, you don't like you don't.
1: Yeah. Part of me, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to figure out how I feel because part of me feels that if you've been working your entire life to be center stage at what you're, what you're manifesting to be, you should not relish, but just accept that there may be some things along the way that come with the job just like any job. However, to quote, Le- to quote LeBron from the shop, because we were talking about the shop earlier, nobody gives you a guidebook on being where you want to be once you get there.
0: Yep, straight up. You're right. You're right. You're right. You're right. And that's why I'm saying like the flexibility on this. Like, Here's the thing. If she didn't want to do the media, let's just take Naomi, for instance, in the French Open heard that. And I'm the CEO of whatever organization runs this. I'm just like this. Like, all right, look, she's a human being. She's got to do the media only because this is how they're thinking, right? Like, we got to find her, though, because then everyone won't do it. Well, this is what I'm thinking. I'm like, nah, I'm not going to find her. Let's talk. Let's figure it out. Let's make a statement that says that, you know, Naomi uh, – you, know, you don't make a statement about anything with Naomi. You just make, a, you make an effort to say, we need to address this. We need to address this. We need to figure it out. We need to figure out a bridge to figure out how athletes can embrace this again and how we can get our jobs done. Because you are talking about individual people trying to get paychecks, sitting on Zoom now or in these rooms. I've seen the media room. These guys are not like chilling. <laughs> They're not, yo. But at the same time, like, Leave her alone. If she doesn't want to do it, like, let's not, why are we overthinking all of it? Because by the way, most people want to do media. They do. They may say they don't, but most people do. So if the ones that don't, don't. Eventually they will. Let there be minimums. But just like shit being so black and white right now is stupid. And, you know, look, I to your last, to your original point about mental health, the only thing I would say is, this is not about Naomi, just for the record. This is in general it's a slippery slope because if if every responsibility is met with like nah I'm not trying to do it tell mental health and I'm again this is not Naomi at all because you know how I feel about her and I believe in 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 like her original um Vision of what, how she wanted this to come across and how this to happen obviously was not this, like that she had to lose playing in the open and she really couldn't be there for that. However, in general for people like, come, you got to know what you're like, if you're, you got to, I'm hoping that everybody that says those things has done some research to understand how they feel. I think that's important when you have a platform to research, to make sure what you feel and think and 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 want to do is is say these things because young people have to understand the difference between some of the things they're feeling. You know what I'm saying? Because now, what happens if someone's like, "Yo, I got mental health issues, but I I, I'm not feeling this." I'm I see these guys talking like some people get motivated by the article, some people get motivated by the interview, some people just get motivated though by being having relatable people in their life. That's why programs like AA are so big because everybody in these programs can relate. They have a language that's there. So like in in mental health, it's like if you're reading somebody else's story because the scale's so wide, like how am I relating to your story? I thought I had mental health. You know what I'm saying? Like it's a lot of different elements to that. So, you know, that was a long thing. Bro, honestly, I like doing pods like this, bro. I'm gonna keep it real. (laughs) Yeah, it's a vibe. It is a vibe. Um, on a not serious note, before we go, we had a conversation in the office this morning about NFTs and trading cards. There was a tweet by a sports journalist that said, like, have we hit the peak? And, you know, I was thinking uh, cryptocurrency kind of had a peak four or five years ago and then, like, lived in this, like, up and down. Have you bought an NFT, Rich? No. Nah, I'm not, Well, I, I have a top shot, but I've never bought an NFT. I didn't even buy it either. It was gifted to me. But I have um obviously I, I have crypto, Doge, Ethereum and and Bitcoin. And um I I held Bitcoin, a little bit of Bitcoin from back in the day. I sold some of it when I was still trying to climb that level of security in my pocket, you know what I'm saying? Sometimes you just got pulled trigger at one point when you're looking at your portfolio. I was talking to my brother earlier. Um I was asking him about his portfolio and he's he's just getting his um he's re- he's just also he got his like confidence thing his you see it too you know Andrew well he's he's starting to really uh fu- he's got an incredible vision i know i could see it when i talk to him he's got that vision and he's got the glow but um he looked at me like nah i sold my shit <laughs> i was like i was in the car i'm like bro do not sell your doge hold 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 he looked at me he's like nah i'm sold all my shit the other day i sold my shit rich (laughs) i'm like i understand i understand the good thing is the shit's still sitting in this like dormant stage that like it's almost like a roller coaster that is back down right now so if you want to jump back on and take the ride again you could take the ride like see what happens if you if you could play the roller coaster ride up and down again but some of them will level off um All right, man. Well, boardroom out of office. Episode 44 was fun. It was me and you talking shit. Sabrina Ionescu, welcome to the 35 Ventures boardroom team. Um, Excited. NBA playoffs are cracking. We'll bring a guest back next week. Who we got next week, G?
1: We'll get someone dope.
0: We don't have anyone locked in yet?
1: We always got somebody locked.
0: All right. I like that. I like that. All right, man. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Subscribe. Download boardroom.tv for everything sports, business, culture. Appreciate all the love. Peace. Peace.